So I said earlier we had the place to ourselves, and I'm really glad we did because people must think we're ridiculous. We both had cameras. We both had long lenses. We found a stock of goldenrod that had one monarch on it. And you and I were on that like paparazzi photographing Lady Diana. (laughs) Yeah. It was our one and only subject, so we had to make the best of it. And what did I say as we were pulling in to Stonington Point? We're going to get a picture of one monarch at least before we leave. We're not leaving until we get at least one picture of a monarch. Welcome to the Winnie and Bill Chat Podcast. This is episode 20, and we're calling this... Stony Stonington. 20! Never thought we'd get there. It seems like a milestone, doesn't it? 20 episodes? Wow. Feels like we should have a party or be giving away prizes or something. Something. Maybe we'll have to wait till it's 50 or 100. Maybe. (laughs) We got to figure that out. So I am Winnie, and uh, you heard Bill. We own a small business called Quiet. Shutter Fine Art and Photography. And with our podcast, we like to show each week nine photos. Uh, we post them to our Instagram, Quiet Shutter Photo. And then we talk about those photos, either the backstory, what went into the making of the photo, or, or um, whatever that photo brings up for us. You can check the photos out on our Instagram either while you're listening or when you get a chance later on. But first, we need to thank Anchor. Anchor podcasting platform. They are a free podcasting platform. Um, They do it because they believe everybody should have an equal chance to have their voice heard. So if you want to make a podcast, Anchor is the place to go. It's free, pretty easy. If we can do it, you can do it. So thanks, Anchor. Thanks, Anchor. So what did you say we were calling this week's episode, Bill? Stony Stonington. Stony Stonington. So Bill and I, for several years, have tried to follow the migration of monarch butterflies as they fly through or depart from Michigan on their way to Mexico for um, the winter. I used to have this dream of going to a place in Southern Ontario called Point Pelee. And uh, I had read lots of stories about how monarchs will gather at Pelee Island to cross over, what would it be? Great um, Erie, Lake Lake Erie, Erie, um, on their migration path. But I was telling somebody that one time and they said, well, we have a spot just like that here in Michigan. And it's Stonington Point in the Upper Peninsula And it's where the monarch butterflies will gather and make their way across Lake Michigan to Green Bay on their migratory path. So who needs to try and figure out how to get to Point Pelee Island when we have something like that right here in our backyard? So how many years have we been making trips up to Stonington Point? Either four or five now. The very first year we went, there were a fair number of butterflies. Do you remember that, Bill? Yes. Probably the most successful year we've had, actually. And and yet when we were there, um, there was a number of people who were there also looking for butterflies who told us, oh, you should have been here last weekend. Because if you think there's lots of butterflies here this weekend, last weekend, it was just covered with butterflies. 
So then the next year, we tried to adjust the time that we went up to, um, to better catch when the big mass of butterflies was there. And were we too late? I think we were too late that year. I think year. we were too late. And we went, wow, that they went early this year. Yeah. Yeah. People said they'd gone early. And then in some years we've made multiple trips to Stonington. And um, two years ago, we'd made a couple trips to Stonington. And then I got a, a message from the gentleman who gives us tips about birds and, and wildflowers and whatnot. And he said that in St. Ignace, off of Point Labarge, that the he had found a tree where the monarchs were roosting overnight. And he sent me pictures, which were amazing, of a whole tree encased in monarch butterflies. And so as soon as we could that day, we buzzed up to St. Ignace. But alas, the monarchs had already departed and gone yeah, across the lake. There were a lot in the air that day, but the masks that Steve had seen the night before were gone. Yeah. But we did the hawk watchers were there doing their hawk count. And they were also keeping track or trying to keep track of the number of monarchs that they saw. Um, and it was really magical because there was monarchs just fluttering through the air constantly, but they weren't lighting anywhere. They were just heading straight over the lake. Right. And, and kind of interesting when the monarchs are in that migration mode, they're way up high in the sky. We're, yeah. And they're, and they're not interested in anything as far as plants or anything. They're just on a mission. They're on a mission. They're going. Right. Right. So yesterday we got uh, um, a tip from our tipster in the morning that uh, the monarchs were gathering on Stonington Point and that probably the next good wind in the right direction, they'd be gone. So luckily we had nothing super pressing in our uh, schedule and obligations for the day. So we rearranged some things and got in the car and headed up to Stonington Point. And so we're going to share our little adventure with you today. So do we want to go to our first picture then? Sure. Let's go to our first picture. Um, we can set this up a little bit. Do you remember sure. we were in, in the morning, we had taken our coffee down to the beach here at a park of the pines on Lake Charlevoix. We were sitting in a couple lawn chairs and we can save that um, experience for the end of the podcast. But it was a beautiful, beautiful day. The lake was still as glass, which is unusual. The sun was shining. It, it was just gorgeous. I could have sat there all day. I don't yeah, think. it wasn't cold. It wasn't. It, it was, was beautiful. It was Perfect. nice. But as soon as we got that text message, we were up and at them. Um, and we thought maybe this will be the time that we managed to get into Clyde's drive-in restaurant maybe. and have our summer Clyde's fix. You said to me, oh, we're not painting today. Let's go. Yeah, we put the painting off for for today. We went up to Stonington yesterday. So today, after we do our podcast, painting. we will be painting. In any case, so we did get up to St. Ignace and we, we did get into Clyde's. We got into Clyde's. And they're still so busy. I have never seen this little drive-in restaurant so crazy busy. Yeah, we sat there for half an hour at least to get food. Yeah, two hamburgers, two onion rings. We yeah. even had our own. No drinks, no nothing. Drinks. We had our own Coke. We didn't even need that. Right. 
And it took a long time. Like we actually were pretty tempted to just abandon the project and get, just get going. Yeah, actually we did. We went, We there's a little pasty shop down the road that we thought, well, we'll just go down there and get a pasty. Maybe you should stop for a second and explain what a pasty is. Not everybody knows what a pasty is. Well, pasty is actually uh, a little um, pastry, like a pie crust. Uh, and it's almost like uh, what we call a hot pocket these days, but it's a homemade thing in a crust. And it typically has inside of it... Um, rutabaga and carrots and potatoes and lots Some kind of times of meat. This, there's meat. Um, typically it was actually was made by the Cornish people a, a long, long time ago. And it was made for miners who could uh, take this as their lunch into the mine and eat everything out of one hand. So you can just hold it with your hand and eat it. I really hot um, pocket is a better description, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So they but, make a variety of different yeah. different ones, but uh, we actually like the ones that um, are vegetarian. Uh, those there's a couple different pasty shops in Mackinac and St. Ignace that make a vegetarian option that's quite good, actually. But anyways, we went to the pasty shop that we've gone to as the alternative meal, only to find out that they are closed on Tuesdays, apparently. It's a random day, right? Random. <laughs> so back we went to Clyde's and... There was a slot open under the canopy, and we pulled in, and lo and behold, we got our Clyde fixed for it, the Yeah, it wasn't year, fast, probably. though. So we got our orders to go, as you pretty much have to right now anyways. Headed down the highway. Um, we got almost to got the turnoff. Almost to the turnoff, and there was a accident that had both lanes of traffic closed for about 45 minutes. So we took every little side road that we thought might take us around the accident site, but nothing to took end us up where back we... in the line waiting for the traffic. Yeah. I hate to see an accident on the highway. Yeah, that's never never the... a good day when that happens. Yeah. So, so we got to Stonington Point a little later than we had hoped. Yeah. It was probably almost four o'clock by the time we got there. Yeah. So So um, Stonington Point is um on the south side of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, um, it is um, a point that goes out into Lake Michigan. Um, they call the very tip of that peninsula, Peninsula Point, or the lighthouse is called Peninsula Point Light. Now, it's not a functioning lighthouse. As a matter of fact, it's almost, I would call it a ruin now, right? Yeah, I mean, you can still walk up in the staircase and look out onto the water and around the area, but it definitely is. I don't even know if it even has a light in the tower anymore. I, I don't think there's any glass there of any sort at all anymore. Right. You can right. see the foundation behind the tower where it used to be a, the actual house. It's just really a foundation left there now. Yep. According to Wikipedia, um, the Peninsula Point Light is a lighthouse located at the southern tip of Stonington Peninsula in Bay Dinoc Township in Delta County, Michigan. Um, it's near Escanaba. Historic documents, National Coast Guard documents rather, rather, have over the years listed the name of the site as Peninsula Point or Point Peninsula. So that's where you can find it. Uh, it's kind of a skinny little peninsula, 
And there are homes all the way down this peninsula. And it's an interesting mix, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. A lot of old farms through there, actually. Yeah, I just got to think that living on that peninsula in the winter would have been absolutely brutal. Yeah, it still is, I'm sure. Um, Yeah, the wind's got to blow like crazy there. Right. The Wikipedia article goes on to say that the peninsula, because it juts out so far into Lake Michigan, was um, considered a hazard for ships and therefore the lighthouse on it so that they would be alerted to. I don't know if Big Bay Dinoc or Bay Dinoc is considered a safe shelter for for ships or if, you know, depending on how the winds blow, if that was just a dangerous area all the way around. Yeah, I really don't know. A little um, more research may be right. required on don't that. Don't know that information. But I, I, you know, it's beautiful. And yesterday was a gorgeous day, although it had gotten cloudy by the time we got there. Um, it was not windy and the weather was, it, you know, it was just perfect temperature. And when we got there, we were the only ones there. There was yeah. nobody else there. There was so we, one vehicle that was leaving as we went in. That's right. Um, and it was a lady who had... Had the picture of a butterfly on her front license plate. And I said, well, she's a butterfly lady. And she said, yeah, well, that means there's no butterflies here. Well, she was leaving. She's leaving. <laughs> what time was it by the time we got there? 3.30? 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. Yeah. I thought, well, if the butterflies are there the way that we'd hoped for, there'd be no way somebody would leave in the middle of the day. Right. Right. So, but uh, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. As we were heading down the uh, Stonington Peninsula, we saw some sandhill cranes, a sandhill crane family in um, somebody's. It looked like an old farm homestead yeah. house that was on the side of the road. And it looked to be, you know, parents with a not quite, but quite grown baby. This year's baby. That's this year's baby. Getting pretty tall, actually. But he, he or she doesn't have yet all of the color and markings of an adult. Right. I almost wonder because when the sandhill cranes first come here in the spring, uh, for those of you can look at this first picture that we're showing, um, the gray color that's in the sandhill cranes is the predominant colors when you first, when they first arrive here. And then later in the summer, they turn to almost this orangish red color that's on their wings. Um, their whole body becomes that color for the most part and then starts to trend back to the, the grayish silver color as they leave. So, But also the adults have that distinctive red patch on their heads. Yes, and this guy didn't or, yeah. or girl. And as I was taking this picture out the window of our car, I thought that he was, I one thought he was short. damaged. <laughs> I thought he only had one leg and that the other, something had happened to the other leg. Honestly, I've never seen sandhill cranes standing like like pink flamingos or storks before. I have but not either. And one of his parents was doing the same thing. As yeah. Well. Why does a big bird like that choose to stand on one leg and tuck their other leg underneath them? I, I don't understand it. Just an exercise they do. I, there must be there must be some scientific rationale for it. But I got pretty excited for a minute. I thought there was something really wrong with this poor sandhill crane. So if you look at the picture, you'll see it's a sand hill, almost grown sand hill, and he's standing on one leg. He looks like an amputee, but he's not. And um, he kept putting his head, looking straight up to the skies, 
And if you're able to see our pictures and zoom in at all, you can see that this poor sand hill had mosquitoes just buzzing around its head like crazy. Yeah, I don't know why there were so many mosquitoes right there, but when we had the window open to take its picture, they were just crazy. Right I, you know, I did not expect to encounter a lot of mosquitoes in on September. September 1st. Yeah, but they're there. I mean, in the spring, mosquitoes, black flies in the UP will just absolutely kill you, eat your body and carry your bones away. <laughs> yep. But there was it. a lot of mosquitoes. There was. And we they were weren't just expecting. bugging us. Evidently, they were bugging the sandhills as well. Right. Yep. So they were a cool little find on the way in there. You just you, there's always there's always wildlife on the drive all yeah. the way to Stonington, but on that peninsula there seems to be a lot of different wildlife. I think in that it's area you know, sometimes. it's probably a pretty quiet just like at Park of the Pines this summer, because we didn't have much activity, the animals have sort of taken over and they feel pretty free to roam around on the grounds here. Yeah. I think Stonington Peninsula, although there are homes and whatnot there, it's not a major thoroughfare. So it's a pretty quiet area. There's not a lot of traffic and not a lot of people. And so probably the animals feel like that's a pretty great safe haven, eh? Yeah, I would think so. They didn't, They none of the animals that we came in contact with yesterday were really very scared of us at all. Um, they just were kind of like, yeah, there's. There's yeah. some humans. Yeah, which that makes it really cool. Yeah, yeah. So let's go on to our next picture. Okay. This is a fun picture, I think. Um, there's a, a just an open field. I don't think this is an abandoned farm field or anything. I think it's just a natural field. Do you, yeah, it, it might have been a hay field, but it would have been years ago because it's really quite grown up. And you often, we always slow down when we get to this little field because you often will see deer in this field. And sure enough, there was deer. And um, this little guy is um, a little spike horn buck. And his, his little spike horn rack there is still in velvet, which is interesting to see. He almost looks like a little giraffe ahead of him. He does. He looks exactly like a giraffe. Yeah. He's a yearling. He was last year's fawn. But uh, yeah, he not he, not a real big animal. Yeah, but it's so cool to see. And he, but he seemed to kind of be in charge. There was four or five other deer in that field that were all does. Right. And um, he kind of we stayed there to photograph him just a few minutes too long for his liking, and he kind of stomped his feet, and all of the does went running, and he hung back until they were all gone in the woods, and then he left as well. But he was handsome. Yep, he was uh, in charge of his own field. I think I like mind. seeing the um, deer and elk and moose and whatnot in velvet more than, you know, when they've got all the velvet rubbed off and they're in their so-called prime. I like seeing the. Sometimes it's really cool to see them as they're losing their velvet. They'll yeah. rub their horns on trees and stuff to rub it off of their horns. And then it's this hanging stuff looks really kind of cool pictures, too. But... Sure. Um, and there's actually, isn't there actually a little bit of blood? Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's veins that run through it all. Yeah. Yeah. So as it's drying up, it can be, sometimes it can be a not so great picture. But like, like you said, though, this little guy's spike horn, he will, he obviously looks more impressive with the velvet on. Once that goes off, it's just going to be a little tiny. Yeah. 
Yeah. So let's go on to our next picture. Okay. What's our next picture? So we, we kept moving down the peninsula a little bit, and we did arrive at the uh, at the uh, Stonington Point, and uh, there were no big groups of butterflies there. But this next picture shows um, one of the monarchs that we did uh, find that was in a little, uh, I don't even know if it was a flower garden, but it was a clump of a lot of, there was a goldenrod everywhere. This picture is a picture of a monarch that's on a stem of goldenrod um, that uh, he was just hanging out there catching, kept catching his breath, I think. Um, Sometimes the monarchs will arrive in a place um, where they will group up and rest and refuel before they make a big trek across a body of water. Um, and if you can get there when they're doing that, that's pretty sweet because you get to see a lot of butterflies um, in the same place. Um, the first time we ever visited Stonington Point, I think we caught a little bit of that. There was butterflies that were um, clumped together in the cedar trees that were just resting. There was also butterflies that were on the goldenrod and there's some milkweed and some other favorable weeds, plants, wildflowers um, there that the monarchs can fuel up on. Uh, but this time there wasn't that many that were stationary. Yeah, most of them were, uh, most of them were, um, we would see them. They would fly through the open space and just head for the water. Yeah, it's like they followed the road down to the point of the peninsula and then they launched themselves over the water and away they went. Yep. They were high in the sky. Yep. And we would, and to watch a butterfly fly, you know, they they seem kind of flaky. You know, they're, they're just, all over the place. They do not go on any straight line anywhere, it seems like. Yeah, they flutter about, they go this way, they go that way, they, you know. So the idea of them being able to fly across a huge body of water like that, it just kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably a really good thing that they start flying up really high because you could tell as they were um, flying up that the wind was actually catching them and they were able to just glide for the most part. So I'm sure that was, well, that's the intent. Yeah. And, and perhaps there's, you know, that little fluttering one way and then another way, you know, there's probably, it's probably way smarter than I'm giving them credit for. For They're probably testing the, the direction of the wind right. and the force of the wind. Cause I think they have to rely on some of that, you know, those headwinds to help them get across. Oh, they would have to. I don't, I can't imagine that they would continuously flutter their wings all the way across that big of a body of water. So Yeah. So I said earlier, we had the place to ourselves, and I'm really glad we did because people must think we're ridiculous. We both had cameras. We both had long lenses. We found a stock of goldenrod that had one monarch on it. And you and I were on that like paparazzi photographing Lady Diana. <laughs> yeah, it was our one and only subject. So we had to make the best. of and it. And what did I say as we were pulling in to Stonington Point? We're going to get a picture of one monarch at least before we leave. We're not leaving until we get at least one picture of a monarch. We get more than one. We did. Actually, it was so, it was really a lovely, lovely time. Yeah. It, it was fun to, we did find some monarchs that were fueling and, and resting. 
But mostly what we saw were the monarchs that were high, that were coming down the to the point and launching out over the big lake. But this is a really beautiful picture. I hope you get a chance to see it. Um, you know, it's a, a monarch in profile on the goldenrod, which is an evil plant for people with allergies. And then lots of goldenrod in the background that is just kind of blurred out and beautiful. Yeah. The gold color was the color of the day all over in the UP. It really was quite brilliant. And the leaves have really started to change yeah, in the UP. Yeah, it seems it's, too early for that. But there were maple trees turning color yesterday. Yeah, it seems too early, but it's probably normal. Yeah. So let's go to our next picture. Ah. Uh, so we evidently irritated that poor butterfly that was on the goldenrod to the point where it needed to fly off and get away from us. Maybe, or maybe they just do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much we affected them one way or another. There but. was a lot of um, bees and hornets that were also enjoying the goldenrod and they were irritating the butterfly for sure. Yep. Let's blame it on the bees. Well, let's blame it on the bees. So this butterfly flew off of the goldenrod and there are a lot of cedar trees at Stonington Point. And we have seen a few times that the monarchs do like to roost or hang out in the cedars. And when they do, you can hardly see them. It's really good camouflage. Yeah, they blend in quite well, even with their orange. So there's enough dead branches in cedar trees that they tend to hang out around that they just, they really do blend in. You'd be a whole blanket of monarchs. And then if you didn't know what you were looking for, you might not even know they're there. Yeah, especially when they're on the cedar trees and they're at rest and they have their wings closed. Right. So the underside of the wings are a little less brilliant than when they're open. And so if they're hanging in a cedar tree, like you said, Bill, where there's a little bit of that orangey, rusty, dead cedar look to some of it, that's what they look like. So they that's great camouflage and great cover for them. Probably um, keeps them pretty safe. Right. It, and so I expected this monarch to head to the cedar tree, but he landed on a dead tree. Yeah, this is just a dead branch that he's sitting on that apparently the spiders were trying to make webs around because in this picture you'll see quite a few uh, remnants of a spider web. I don't know if it's in the building of or tearing down of the spider web. but um, This is a beautiful picture, and Bill gets credit for this picture. It... Um, I maybe was more in his direction or he had the little bit longer um, zoom lens, but this picture is beautiful. It's worth um, looking at our Instagram so you can see it. Um, there's a beautiful green blurred background, which I assume was cedars, right? Yes. And then, you know, the, it's very close up of the monarch on this stick and you can see all of that spider webbing. It's a really pretty picture. Good yeah, if you're job, able Bill. to zoom in a little bit, it's even more. You'll see even more of the spider webbing. So yeah, the, and the detail on monarchs one. when you look really close up at them is is really spectacular. They've, you know, those their body is black with white polka dots, and their wings are ringed with a black outline, and again the white polka dots and that brilliant orange. They are beautiful. They really are. Yep. Okay, let's go to our next picture. So this next picture is actually, as we were talking about earlier, how the butterflies would just come out, um, zooming past us and out onto the lake and just 
going and going and going. See ya. <laughs> no, it was we would we were trying to get pictures of them as they're fluttering away, and I just had a really heck of a hard time getting one. I think Winnie actually caught this one, but I was just saying, wait, come yeah. back. <laughs> I mean, taken trying a picture yet? Trying to find them, like you can see them with your naked eye as they flutter past you and head out over the lake. But then to take your lift your camera up and look through your viewfinder and try and find that little tiny monarch butterfly in this vast openness of sky and lake and then focus on that little dot is is pretty tricky. And you have a split second to do it. So, yeah, it's um, this picture. What I was hoping to get was um, a butterfly where you would see the sky and the lake and the butterfly heading out over the lake that was near impossible to get. Um, so I feel lucky that I got one in the sky that is, you know, somewhat recognizable. If you zoom in on this one, you can actually see that it's definitely a monarch. But if you're driving down the road, this is not the time to be zooming in on anything. No, no. <laughs> Eyes on the road. But uh, yeah, when you zoom in, you can see it's not, it's not that bad. You can even see the butterflies antennas, which is pretty incredible for, how high up it was and, and heading out over the lake. So, yeah. but I wanted to capture this just cause I wanted to show evidence of the fact that the butterflies were, were flying over the lake. There's no evidence here that the lake is there, but trust me. In the sky. There was a lake. <laughs> there was, was a lot of water down there. Yeah. And they, the thing that killed me about these, um, the monarchs that came straight down the peninsula and headed straight out over the lake is no hesitation. Nope. No hesitation. They just knew they were going and they knew it was the time to go. I suspect that the monarchs probably roosted overnight at Stonington Point and the mass of them took off in the morning. And these were the stragglers that were coming through. And we, you know, had we been there in the morning, we may have had a better show. Right. But it, I mean, there was probably a new butterfly heading out over the lake every minute or two. Yeah. The but whole time we were there. It was, you know, one single, one single, one single. Sometimes um, a couple, but. A couple of, yeah. But and every it was now, pretty steady. It was very steady. It was totally, I think the, we could have stayed there all afternoon and evening and just counted hundreds of them. It just wasn't the thousands or hundreds or more than two. I, it we just wasn't for. them clumped up together like, you know, like. Right. But, um. Every now and then you would see a butterfly that would head out over the lake and then go, um, no, I think I'm going to turn I around. I think I'm going to think about this again. I don't know. I, you Wait, know. I think I left something in that tree. Yeah. Every now and then there would be one that was a little nervous to just commit. Yep. But most of them, no hesitation. Off they went. And it's surprising how quickly in that vastness of lake and sky and in that this was kind of a had turned into kind of a moody, cloudy day, your eye starts to not even be able to differentiate where the sky starts and ends and the water starts and ends. And, and the, you'd be watching a monarch and all of a sudden it just disappear out of your vision. You couldn't see it anymore. It didn't at take all. long either. You, if they were, you know, if they would get a couple hundred yards out, they just, you couldn't spot them anymore. Right. Um, I'd, have become interested in the monarch migration. And so there's a few websites and Facebook pages that I follow to see how the migration, both when they're coming North in the spring and when they're going South in, in the fall. And um, 
how healthy they think the monarch um, population is. And it's been concerning over the last several years. Um, I think that people think that um, monarch and other animals are sort of um, the canary in the coal mine sort of thing, that they are, um, you know, they're an indication of how well we're doing as a planet, how healthy we are as a planet. And the monarchs are struggling. So we are always happy when we see them and when we see them in any numbers. Right. Um, I do have to say, though, the last two or three years, we've seen a a lot more of them than we did for probably seven or eight years prior to that. Yes. And I think a lot of people have become a little more aware. We're seeing people who are planting butterfly gardens and plants that are friendly to butterflies. And they're hopefully using less or no pesticides. and so perhaps that's making a difference in the population. It has to make a difference. I just read a very sad article about, um, I just read an article and I believe it was from Fargo, North Dakota, where um, they had were having trouble with mosquitoes. And so they had sprayed, you know, from an airplane, they had sprayed for m- mosquito control. And um, after they had done that, people were collecting dead monarchs by the, you know, tens and twenties. There was a picture of a couple of young girls that had like a Tupperware bowl and it was just full of dead monarchs. Not good. Yeah. And they said the company that was hired to spray had said that that would happen. Um, And it was just recently. So monarchs had already started to gather for migration and, and they, (laughs) And they seemed a little cavalier, like, yeah, it's unfortunate. That's a side effect of spraying for, but mosquitoes can carry diseases like West Niles. And they thought it was more important to control the mosquitoes than worry about the butterflies. Yeah, not not good. I'm just going to say not good. Just not good. So I think that's our last picture of butterflies. Yes. But that doesn't mean it was the last interesting thing we saw for the day. Yes. Um, we decided to get in the car and leave Stonington when a van full of clowns, yeah. I would say. Let's just say clowns. <laughs> a van there full was of. The, all kinds of color in their clothes and their hair and yeah, there <laughs> all, all over their bodies. You know, we had and just animals had, were there as well. We had such a wonderful time having the place to ourselves, and I don't mind sharing it with other people. But this van full of people showed up, and they were all screaming at each other. And there was a teenage kid in the back seat that was screaming, "You can't make me get out of the car! I don't feel good!" And there was a dog that was barking like crazy, and the people were all yelling at each other. And and when he said, "We're out of here," we're out of here. Well, I mean, we were stalking around, being so quiet and trying to see and photograph the monarchs and even our movements were disturbing them, let alone a dog and a loud family. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I was sad to see, which I will mention is the amount of garbage there was at Stonington this time. There was a lot of garbage and usually it's pretty pristine there. I don't know if it's because the um, DNR this year did not have the kind of summer help that they normally have. I didn't see a single garbage can anywhere there, even though there are some some outdoor toilets available. There's just there was no garbage cans and there were beer cans and there was, you know, chip bags. 
and so many cigarette butts on the ground all over the place. What is wrong with people? Yeah, they, uh, I, all, all I could guess was that the DNR just didn't have money to hire someone to, to man the parks a lot this summer. So unfortunately, as a result, people will be people and they didn't bother to take their own garbage home with them. So. I think if I lived closer to Stonington, I would have gone back with some garbage bags and some rubber gloves and I would have tried to clean some of it up because it's just, you know, it's such a beautiful place. The peninsula has just got beautiful views all the way around it. Um, there are all kinds of little wildflowers that are growing all around there. Um, not to mention the the monarchs and the other wildlife you see. Um, the water was very high this year, but in years past, we have watched, walked the beach line and seen toads and frogs and snakes and little birds and It just makes me sad that people, I mean, obviously they're there because they want to see it and enjoy the natural resources, but they're not being very respectful of keeping them, you know, keeping them clean. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, you got to take a little bit of responsibility to clean up after yourself. It's just amazing how some people don't think that's important. Yeah. And, you know, because of COVID, I didn't want to reach onto anything with my bare hands to clean it up, especially cigarette butts. But come on, people. Yeah. Come on. So clean up after yourself. So anyways, we. uh... Oh, you know what? Before we left Stonington, this next picture reminds me of something we saw. Right. So this was exciting. As we were watching the skies for the monarchs, Over top of us flies a pair of American white pelicans. Yeah, it's like, where did those things come from? You know, it's unusual. We did see some pelicans at the Sini Wildlife uh, Refuge this early this summer. We did. And you know what? Like two years ago when we were here at the same spot, we spotted some pelicans that were nesting near Stonington. Way out, though, in the Way water, a little water, spit yeah. of land. Yeah. 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 It was like, what is that? And I zo- zoomed in. I took a picture with a real long lens and zoomed in. And it's like, man, that looks like a pelican. And then our friend who's a bird, avid bird watcher, said, oh, yeah, pelicans, white pelicans in particular, actually nest in Lake Michigan. Who knew? I had no idea. Crazy. I mean, I've seen pelicans in Florida. Right. And you see pelicans in Montana, which would be this, you know, same amount of being north as us. Yep. But it always is weird when you see them. They just look so out of place. And uh, this this guy that we caught was actually, um, I think there was actually three in this group, but we ended up... um, Catching actually, this was the second group of them. We I saw. think the pelicans were also migrating. Yes, it must have been the winds and everything must have been just favorable for time to go. It was time to go winds. I think it was time to go. Yes. Yeah, it's time so. to go. And Bill was trying to photograph a monarch, and I said, "Oh, Bill, Bill, up, up, up!" And I mean, this is really tricky to photograph a bird that is flying over top to to get your camera lens on it, to get it focused, to get everything just right. So um, years of practice and knowledge and then being there and having the 
having the reaction time to get it done. So many of these pictures were like just a wingtip in the in the picture or just the tail end of the bird. But there was two or three that turned out, you know, pretty nice. I got some really nice pictures of their butt, but yeah. what's the point of that? This is a pretty good picture, though. Pelicans are such a weird bird, eh? They are. They are. They're that ginormous big beak. And when they open their mouth, it's just like, it is like a steam shovel. It's crazy how big they are. Yeah. So this was fun. This was a fun little treat to see the pelicans yeah, flying over top of the bonus there. Yeah. So let's go on to our next picture. So we headed out and uh, didn't get very far off the peninsula or off of the very end of the uh, peninsula. And uh, this next picture is a pair of fawns, little um, probably five month old deer, maybe not even that old. Um, and the two of them were pretty much on the side of the road and uh, we stopped and they they looked at us and then they ran just probably 20 yards or so and stopped. I think that the reason they didn't just take right off is because mom was on the opposite side of the road. Yeah, we we took their pictures and they went, where's mom? And of course, we looked across the road and there she was. She was watching everything that was going on. Right. So she wasn't far away. So we took a Bill, they were on Bill's side of the car. So Bill took these pictures and he took a whole string of, of cute pictures of the two of them together. But um, while he was doing that, at one point, they touched noses, which looks to me like they were they were doing having a kiss. And so as Bill's shooting the pictures, did you get that? Did you get that? Did you get that? <laughs> yep. And we did. We got it. Got it. So this is an adorable little picture of two spotted fawns. In tall grass, some Queen Anne's lace around them, evergreen yep. forest behind them, and they're having a little kiss. And they were just having a little snack on the grass there. Yeah. Adorable. Yeah. That was a treat. So our next picture, I don't even know what this hawk is. Yeah. So we're most of the time, I mean, we are interested in birds, but we are by no mean birders. And we don't know... A lot of times we'll take pictures of interesting birds and we'll come home and send the picture off to our expert birder friend and he'll tell us what it is we saw. So we haven't done that yet. We don't know what kind of a hawk this bird is, kind of a medium-sized hawk. A lot of hawks are not really that pretty. And we'll drive by and see a big bird sitting on a branch on the side of the road and we'll say, oh, just, ugly an, hawk. just an ugly hawk. <laughs> depressed ugly they hawk. often they look depressed because they've got their their head tucked tucked down looking on the ground for something they can they can eat but they look like they're just sitting there so depressed yeah doesn't really matter i'm just sitting on Go a branch take your picture i'm not going anywhere so this little hawk was really pretty cooperative when we first stopped to take a picture of it um we were pointing in the opposite direction, which made the bird almost silhouetted with the sun behind it. It was a tricky shot. So it did not fly away on us as we turned around and got to the other side of the tree in order to get a better shot with better lighting. And as a matter of fact, it was almost like he was posing for us. I thought he was going to fly, but he just he turned around and he hopped up the limb a few feet and just stood there. It was yeah. kind of crazy. Like, this is a, kind oh. of a pretty little hawk. 
and he's um, perched on a, a branch of a that's a big pine, big white, white pine. pine tree. Yep. And there's a branch over top of him. So he's framed in, in branches and some nice um, pine greenery behind him. And he's just, he's a pretty little creamy colored spotted hawk sitting on the branch. And it's just a perfect little picture. Yeah, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Actually, when we went by it, we went hawk. And I went, wait a minute, that one has kind of cool little colors. So we were pretty happy to be able to get these pictures that really uh, was worth turning around for. So in episodes to come, I think we're going to talk about how to take good pictures. And one of the things that um, you can try to do when you're taking a picture is to frame your subject with something that's naturally in the picture. And this little hawk just did that for us perfectly by being framed by the tree with that nice green colored background. And there he is in profile. The way he hopped sideways, we got to see his full tail and this was just a fun little picture Yeah, some nice lines in the trees and it was perfect i should have done a little more research to find out maybe he's some really rare kind of hawk that's really special yeah i don't know he was about the size of the little merlin hawks we had around here maybe a little bit bigger than the merlins but he He kind of looks like he could be a merlin but yeah what do i maybe it's a female merlin i have no idea but i'm sure our friends will be able to tell us or if anybody's out there looking at these pictures and knows, let us know. We'd yeah. be happy to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. Let us know. Call into our, um, our. you can go to our page um, details on Anchor and um, you can navigate through that and find a way that you can call and leave us a voice message. And if you do, we will include that in an episode down the road. Yeah, we'd love to But do if that. you know what this kind of hawk is, we would love to know. We could play Name This Bird. Name This Bird. Maybe we'll do that as an episode sometime. I think this next picture is our last picture, which is fitting because we saw this <laughs> when we got to the very... Um, Almost got back out to the highway yeah, then, U.S. The beginning two. of the peninsula, right when we were heading back onto U.S. 2 to head home. Right. And we saw another spike horn. Yeah, this was a little bit bigger deer, but still a spike horn. And he was really curious about us. He was kind of poking his head through and around the trees, looking at us, bobbing its head around. So we spun around the car and creeped up on it and we spooked it. Yeah. So this picture is that is the rear end of the deer going away with his tail up and uh, flag up, flag up, saying, seen enough of you. See ya. (laughs) Been nice seeing you, but I'm gone now. So you can't see in the picture, you cannot see his horns at all. He actually had like 12 inch spikes. They were, it was a big spike horn. And yeah, they, he was really this, good. His tail and his big ears are covering up. It was, you wouldn't know from this picture that he had horns at all. But you can tell from this picture that it's a boy. Yeah. And we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> if you care to zoom in, you'll be able to see the details we're talking about. Yeah. This is a great Northern Michigan picture, though, because this is this is how Northern, especially the UP, it's just kind of wild and rugged. Um, You can see a little oak tree in this picture. You can see evergreen tree. You can see the natural grasses. Yeah, this is this is Northern Michigan. Yeah. Years ago, when I liked to deer hunt, um, when I would often fall asleep because it was middle of the afternoon and I was tired, 
Uh, I would wake up to this kind of a picture quite often as the deer, a deer running away from I was you. Probably snoring. <laughs> so yeah. true confessions. There's a lot of hunters that have seen this picture. <laughs> yeah, this deer was very curious about us until we got, you know, just a little too close. Yeah. And I think I wonder to myself sometimes, do you, Bill, if when we point our camera, because our our zoom lenses are pretty big, do you think that it looks like a gun? Do you think that the animals, deer in particular, that are so heavily hunted sort of recognize that? Or is that just, just me? Just a flash of light is all they would see. They wouldn't re- know that a gun was a gun or anything. They're, they're uh, I mean, they're probably just receptive to. Um, so being on guard all the time. Sure, know, a, this is something not natural. It looking. A, yeah, it's something not natural. Yeah. So it's, I shouldn't worry about my camera looking like a gun. No, no. Hmm. So we missed this deer. Well, we didn't miss him. We got him from the behind. Yeah. So. So we like to end our podcast talking about the picture that got away, the one we missed, the one we wish we would have gotten. So um, I think perhaps you and I have have both have ideas for what the picture that got away from us yesterday was. So I'm going to say mine first, and then you can tell about yours, okay. which actually I agree with yours too. But for me, the picture I wish I would have gotten was as we were driving through the UP on US2 heading west, yes. um, we noticed that there was a bicycle um, coming toward us on the side of the road. And the guy who was riding the bike had a big straw hat on and a, a blue button shirt. And as we got a little closer, we realized it was actually a tandem bicycle. Yeah. And the person on the, on the second seat was a woman and she was wearing a, I would call it a, you know, pioneer bonnet is what it looks like in a dress. I believe they were Mennonites. I was just going to say, I think it was a Mennonite couple and they were riding the bike and the lady looked like she was doing all of the work. Yeah, pretty much. She yeah. looked like she was pedaling that bike way harder than he was. Yeah, he was going through the motions, but I thought you are a slug, mister. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. But it was the most interesting sight because they were, you know, dressed as Mennonites dress, which yep. seems like a flashback in time. And yep. and they had a tandem bicycle. And I don't have the side of the highway. I don't have any idea where I think they would be going. Like it yeah. was really in one of those stretches is kind of the middle of nowhere. Right. Maybe there's maybe there's a Mennonite uh, settlement around there. I don't know, but um, settlement community community. Yeah, yeah. I don't neighborhood. I have no idea, but it just really seemed, you know, to stick out as, you know, this isn't you know just stuck out. They didn't belong there. It seemed like no, it just seemed random and out of place. It was random, sure. but it was so cute. Yeah. <laughs> So what was the picture for you yesterday that got away from us or we missed or we didn't get? Well, the one that pops into my head is that, uh, as we mentioned early on in this podcast, we started our day um, having coffee down at the beach here at Park of the Pines. And uh, we were sitting there and the water was really calm but there was quite a few little bugs and stuff on the water and we started noticing these little I 
thought they were minnows, and I don't think they were much bigger than minnows, but they were literally jumping out of the water. There was a lot the of insects. them, too. Little and, feisty fish jumping right yeah, out of the water. Yeah, it was crazy. And, uh, and then we started spotting further out in the lake these big fish. Huge. They were giant, giant fish that were surfacing and, and eating insects. And uh, we, yeah, were, we, we even named one Walter. Yeah. They I were, it said, seemed like they were huge. They just, and they, they, when they jumped out of the water and back in it, they created a wave even, a wake. Yeah. They yeah, were they so were, big. They were big fish. So I said to Winnie, you know, I should go get the camera with the big lens and just see if we could catch, you know, a glimpse of it and see what they are. And Which I think would be really tricky. It would be hard. Was, we, we both agreed that we probably, you know, first of all, it wasn't kind of random where they were jumping out of the water. Yeah, how anyways. do you know where to point the camera? And it was only would, a second when they would jump and, and, you know, the motion attracted your eye to it. But I don't know how you would capture that with your camera. Right. It'd be tricky. Right. So as we were sitting there, we decided we're just going to watch this and see what happens. And, and uh, probably... 15 minutes or so as we were watching this. Um, in comes Mr. Comes eagle. An eagle. <laughs> this eagle was flying by and uh, I had a quick thought. I wonder if they're looking for those fish. And sure enough, this eagle started circling around the area we right out in front of us pretty much. Way up high at first. Way up high. Got- and he was circling and kind of slowly working his way down. And you could tell that uh, he was spotting something. Because All of a sudden, the, the talons came out just like landing gear coming out on an yeah, airplane. Yeah, so he was making his last little circle, and he went down on the water and dipped his talons in the water and latched onto one of those fish and got it up probably three, four feet out of the water and dropped it. Lost it. Lost it. But it was a good-sized fish, and it was just really, it's like, Wow, now that would have been cool. It was cool to see. We should have had the camera because we would have had time to focus in on that. What were we thinking? It was, you know, it was, it was a quarter of a mile away for one thing. So yeah, we still could. I mean, we got that butterfly out out over Lake Michigan. We could have got it. Definitely could have got the eagle. And as long as it took him to circle and circle and get down, we would have had a chance to. Yeah, we could have been there. We could have been Maybe there. next time. Another reason to always have a camera on. Always have a camera on you. Yeah. yeah, that was really cool, though. What a magical morning that was. It was. It was. And really, the whole day was just beautiful. Every now and then, you just have to take, take a day and submerge yourself in nature. We've talked about this on previous podcasts, especially the one we did with our son. And he talks about resetting yourself by spending time in nature and... I just really, really, really believe that, that, you know, spend time and it might just be that 15 minutes with your cup of coffee in the morning, but spend time paying attention in nature and it can reset your, your mood and your mind and everything. Sometimes it just allows you to put things in order, you know, whether it's sitting there trying to figure out what it is you're going to do for the day or not do for the day in that case, this case, but, um, yeah. So we always enjoy, uh, nature always gives you a gift of, uh, uh, maybe just getting something that's bugging you off your mind for a few minutes. Yeah. And yesterday was a gift. We saw, we saw many different things. We headed out hoping to see masses of monarchs. And although we did see monarchs, they weren't necessarily in mass, but, um, 
I think it's DeWitt Jones who who says, "What will what will I be given today?" And we were given sandhill cranes and uh, white-tailed deer, a few monarchs, a couple pelicans, a hawk that we don't know what it is, All and an eagle cool catching stuff. a fish. Yeah, it was an yeah, amazing. It was day. a good day. It was. So thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope you can take some time to get out in nature, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you next week. Thanks again for listening in. Have a great day.